Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show with your hosts, Don Wright DeBrantz and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to tonight's Dash Radio. It is Dawn Wright, DeBrant, and Peter Mingles here with uh, a fabulous guy named Riz Verk who is telling us about something really cool called Zen Entrepreneurship, Walking the Path of the Career Warrior. So welcome, Zen, and uh, <laughs> and welcome, Peter. How's everybody doing tonight? Great to I'll be here. Guess, I'll let guests go first. He's great to be here. Peter's here, and um, my voice is tired because we've been talking a lot. <laughs> I hear you. So, so Riz, tell us about you. Tell us how you got started on this. I know this is your second book, you said, right? So, or your second book, second version, second, publication? Yeah, second edition, actually, of uh, this second book, Zen Entrepreneurship. And uh, so, you know, this book is uh, was written after reflecting on my experiences in my very first startup. And I was a fresh graduate of MIT in, in Boston and um, uh, was starting a software company. And I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And to be totally honest with you, I wasn't all that interested in all these spiritual techniques and esoteric things that I talk about in the book, like Tibetan dream yoga <laughs> and meditation and other things. Well, I had just graduated with a large number of student loans, and I grew up you know, lower middle class in Detroit, and I just wanted to make some money from the startup. Uh, but I figured, hey, if this meditation stuff can help me increase my concentration, uh, then you know, sure, I'll give it a try. And that led me on an interesting journey over the course of a few years where we grew that company uh, and raised millions of dollars in venture capital. Uh, and then we hit a bit of a wall. And it was only then that I really started to, to see that uh, the thing that was holding the company back was my internal energetic pattern. And this was the same thing that I had been uh, learning about in my own personal growth and in my meditation. So, you know, I realized that these two paths are very linked. Uh, you know, starting a company is never an easy experience, but it doesn't really matter what career you're in. Uh, what I call your energetic pattern really influences how you make decisions and where you end up in life. Uh, and so, you know, it's important to develop that awareness, and, and, and that's why I ended up writing the book. Absolutely. Sorry about that. Peter, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, Riz, I always like to – sometimes we forget. We go through a whole interview, and then we never give people that are listening in at the beginning, as they're listening in, your websites where you they would be able to find more information about you. So can we give your websites in advance so if people really like this, they can always listen to the beginning of the interview again on the archives and be able to pick up where they can go buy some of your material? Because I've been reading through your background and all that sort of stuff, and it's it's absolutely positively amazing. So where would people go to find your information? Sure, good idea. So they would go to my website, which is www.zenentrepreneur.com. And on the website, there's a link to Amazon for the book. There's a link to my blog, which I update fairly regularly and a link to my Facebook page and other interesting links as well. So if somebody were to want to buy something, say, I really like this guy and I want to learn from his lessons, where would they? what should they start off with? 
Uh, they should start by going to the website at zenentrepreneur.com and probably getting the book is the is a really good place to start because um, you know the book kind of follows my journey of starting not very experienced at thinking of these two paths as tunneling together. And over time, there are different techniques that I was introduced to, like using your work as meditation or the four keys of manifestation. And all of these you know, kind of are explained uh, in this edition of the book with a bunch of exercises and things as well. Excellent. Now, Don, okay. we, we, we kind of threw uh, Riz into this. And his first name is, is Riz. Is it Riz Juan? But people call you Riz. Yes. Yeah, everyone and calls me Riz. Uh, but first name is actually Rizwan. Yeah. Yep, so we have Rizwan here, and Virk is spelled V as in victory, I-R-K for those people that want to look him up as well. But one of the things that happened with Dawn and I when we first got started is we call this the Dash Radio. And I'll let Dawn you know, jump in and tell the story, but everything about some of the things that you're saying will help influence, if you will, or help people um, with their dash. So, Don, I don't want to hog that part. I'll let you talk about how the dash got started so he could customize some of his presentation to the theme of our show. Well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You know, Peter and I have been through some stuff together. We've been in the trenches, and both of us have really focused our lives and our careers on helping other people succeed in the home-based business arena. And, um, you know, living the law of reciprocity and the law of attraction and and teaching it to other people. And so when when we found ourselves uh, looking for a project to do together last December, and uh, we, we were talking about, I, I've always wanted to do a radio show. I just felt like talk radio really, and just speaking, uh, motivation, motivational speaking, Les Brown, the, all the guys, uh, all of the people that I grew up listening to from Christian speakers like you know, Joyce Meyer all the way to Les Brown, and you've got to be hungry. And Amway, all these people, I fell in love with it. And it really got me through some of the really lean times growing up, you know, a couple of kids with an early marriage and, you know, just how are you going to succeed? How are you going to create a business from that space? And and uh, I fell in love with Sci Seminars and I got really in, in, in deep with personal development and program confrontation and all that stuff. And so... Peter and I, um, as we were talking about doing an online radio show, we 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 had both heard, he brought it up and said, listen, there's this great poem. And it's all about, you know, from the date of your birth to the date of your death, there's this thing on your gravestone. And, and in between those two critical dates, there's this dash and how... You know, the only people who know the meaning of that dash are the people who were right by your side and you. And how critical that dash actually is and how it's your entire representation of every bit, of every person you've touched, of everything that you've done, of every meaningful moment and uh, and every breath you took. It's all represented in nothing but that little dash. And so the Dash Radio is all about entrepreneurism, all about life and the dream and actually giving true meaning to that dash and actually getting out there and doing what you're supposed to be doing, what you've been led to do, and what your purpose here is. Because, you know, it's it's really meaningless, the rest of it. You know, we can all go to work and come home and go to work and come home and absolutely have nothing uh, in by way of, of true meaning and purpose, or we can go ahead and truly live the life that we were destined to, to have. So, you know, the, I love what you're doing. I, I think it's fantastic, and... Um, 
you know, I'm I'm living another life dream right now and creating creating a space that I never ever actually saw myself doing because I thought it was me. And uh, you know, there's all sorts of interesting opportunities in life if you if you don't chalk it up to not possible. So uh, I love what you're doing, and it truly ties into everything that we're about. And um, you know, I I want to more, so I'll shut up now. <laughs> well, yeah, I think the dash is a great metaphor. Uh, and the way that you've described it here and uh, in the purpose of your show. And, you know, I'm a big believer that each of us here is here with certain strengths and weaknesses and certain contribution that we're here to make. Uh, and, you know, in the book, uh, the subtitle is, is uh, Walking the Path of the Career Warrior. Uh, and at the end of the book, I talk about finding your own unique warrior's path, which is the combination of lessons that you're here to learn ways that we're here to improve ourselves and the contribution that we're here to make to society. And I believe there's no better way of doing that than breaking out on your own and offering a product or service to the marketplace. Uh, and in, in that process, uh, I believe our energetic pattern comes out. And what I call our energetic pattern really is all of our hopes, fears, our strengths, our weaknesses, uh, the sum of our personality, and, and depending upon your, your belief orientation, it includes you know strengths or weaknesses we might have from previous lives or just that we have picked up and that are coming to us from the hidden worlds. Uh, and you know whether we want them to or not, and you've probably noticed this on any project that you begin, whether we want it to or not, our personality affects you know the outcome of that project. And Earlier, I spoke about my business where we hit a wall. Well, the wall we were hitting was that our company started to do too many things at once. We had a first product, then we built a second product, then we did a services arm, then we built another product, then we bought another product. And it was it was difficult for us while we were doing all of these things to really focus in on our core business. And that was a direct reflection of my personality. I'm somebody who likes to jump in uh, to something, do it you know, fully for a little while, and then I get bored and I want to move on to the next thing. <laughs> and then I like to do that for a little while, and then I like to jump into the next thing. <laughs> and ma many of your listeners may may see that pattern in themselves, but that was an, an, an external pattern because it had been repeated at least three times in my life. Uh, at, so this, this the events in the book take place in 1993 when I just graduated from college, but it happened to me in college, and it happened to me in high school, and so this was the third time. And so if something happens three times, it qualifies as a pattern. And so that external pattern was very much a reflection of my internal pattern, and for, for the business to be more successful, I had to transcend my own pattern, and I did that through a process of yoga, meditation, and, and really seeing clearly what was going on. And sometimes that's the difficulty, is to see exactly what's causing what in our lives, in our work, in our businesses. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so explain, you know, I know that the process of writing a book can be a very grueling one, because I've been in the process of writing a book for the past eight months. <laughs> <laughs> I've changed my mind on what I'm going to write it about at least four times already, and I've just decided to put it on hold for another moment while I'm doing this. So, so um, you know, writing your second edition of this book, I mean, I'm impressed. You've already got me as a big fan as to your heroism, and uh, I'd like to know how that came about because uh, I'm, I'm actually in the process of buying your book right this minute, and I would love to. Uh, we're going to go ahead and tell everybody to the Dash Radio site to go ahead and make sure they grab it as well. Do you have do you have a Kindle version? You got to tell me. Yes, I have a Kindle version oh, as well as a paperback version, so uh, you can excellent. get either one. <laughs> That's awesome. 
And uh, so tell me about the book and tell us about how how that began and, and what's different in the second edition that wasn't in the first one. Uh, sure. So, you know, the process of writing a book, as you said, you know, can it varies very much person by person. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I, I talk about in the book itself is that when we're looking to bring something uh, into reality in the process of manifestation, that choosing the right technique and the right timing are two of the, the, the four keys to manifestation. And, it, in fact, I'll talk about both of them in the context of writing a book, since, since you're in that process now. Um <laughs> So, you know, I remember uh, uh, when I, I've, I went to a talk by a really famous author, Isabel Allende, who I think either won or was a nom- nominated for the uh, Pulitzer Prize uh, at Berkeley, and somebody raised her hand and asked her a question, you know, uh, how can I write my first novel? And and she gave an answer that was interesting. It was, it was a, a good technique, and she said, well, what if you write a page a day every day for a year, and then at the end of the year you've got 365 pages, and that's enough for a novel? And I thought, okay, here's a successful author. Why don't I try her technique? And I tried it, and you know what? It didn't work for me. <laughs> Turns out mm-hmm. the slow and steady technique was not the right technique for my energetic pattern. On the other hand, you know, I could write five pages a day or write an entire chapter in a weekend and then not write anything for a few weeks. Uh, and that was just how my creative energy flowed. So it's not that there are when we try to accomplish anything in life, it's not so much that there is a shortage of techniques. I think there are almost too many techniques out there, and we have to find the one that resonates best with our personality and our strengths and our weaknesses. Uh, and that's what I call finding the right technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, another one of the keys is right timing, and this, you know, ties to the first edition of this book. So I, I actually wrote the first edition, which was the story element of the book, which follows me as a young man starting a company and beginning a spiritual apprenticeship uh, with a teacher. Um, And uh, so the story was completed in 2004, but what I found was that as I tried to get the book out there, I found, you know, more and more roadblocks. It felt like I was sometimes going uphill. And these are the types of clues that I encourage people to pay attention to in the marketplace. You know, it was 2004. We had just entered the Iraq War. It wasn't necessarily the best time to be talking about meaning, finding meaningful work. People's attention was elsewhere. So, uh, and, and meanwhile, I was busy with another one of my startups at the time that was, you know, taking up most of my time. So I listened to the clues, and I, and I, and I decided to, you know, pull back a little bit. And it wasn't until last year, 2012, that I started to get the message that now is the right time to get this book out there. Uh, and, you know, many people who had read the book loved the story, but they wanted more. They wanted the ability to, to do some of the exercises. Uh, they wanted summaries and stories that would help explain the concepts that I talk about in the book. So the second edition has another 50 pages or so of summaries, exercise. It makes it into more of a how-to manual. Um, and so, again, I, I by listening to the clues and, and li- looking for inner and outer timing, uh, you know, I ended up releasing the second edition earlier this year, and it was an international bestseller in like five different countries and a bunch of different categories. Uh, and so that's an example of kind of listening to our inner voice, which is a key part of what I talk about in the book, and using it to discern, you know, what's happening in the market, what's happening in our in our lives, and finding the right timing to make any project successful. Absolutely, that's awesome. Peter, I'm monopolizing everything. So after this commercial break, we're going to go ahead and you're going to you're going to actually get to talk for a minute. <laughs> that, that sounds okay here. I'm going to push some buttons. All right. 
Savage Smokes is a new site on the scene dedicated to the trending electronic cigarette industry. If you are looking into e-cigs as an alternative to tobacco and have been disappointed by the ones you picked up at the gas station or you kept your money in your pocket because you didn't know which one to buy, head to SavageSmokes.com for honest and up-to-date electronic cigarette reviews on most e-cigs you see on the shelves. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. And we are back. And uh, we are back with Riz Verk and the um, the Zen Entrepreneur, and this is just a really cool show because it's it's totally my vibe, and uh, I'm really excited that you're here. So thank you so much for coming. And you know, I I love that you have fit, and I I know that I told Peter he has to talk, but I have to say this. Um, <laughs> I think it's awesome that you have have really had a truly successful business and brought spirituality and the the entire meditative reality into it. Because I have found that you know it, it's absolutely correct with if I'm if I'm straight with myself vibrationally spiritually if I am centered and calm and at peace. I am succeeding greatly in my life. And when I go into a tailspin and I'm in that state of panic and stress, and, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, and and just touching on the E-Myth Revisited a little bit, you know, we all have a situation where, you know, sometimes there are people out there who are the technicians and they're, they're making the donuts or they're doing what they're doing and they think they can run the company better. But they're not managers and they're not entrepreneurs. And if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a true entrepreneur, you know. You know, we're the kind of people who tend to like to eat stress for lunch. We're the ones who are up at 3 o'clock in the morning figuring out the next thing and what's it going to be and how are we going to do it. And miraculously, we manifest these solutions. But if we're not in the right space, we don't do that. If we're if we're spinning and we're on the emotional roller coaster and we're choosing to get on and, and take the ride and we're not finding that center, we we can fail miserably at even the simplest of tasks. So, you know, I think that what you're what you're teaching in, in this space is really, really critical. And I'm definitely curious about the business that you were running when all of this came to you. Do you are are you open to sharing on that? Uh, sure. So, uh, you know, first of all, I, I agree with you fully that, you know, when we're not centered, we can get knocked off balance by events. And, you know, right, there's running an, a business is full of unexpected events. I like to sometimes compare it to having several fire hoses aimed at us from different directions. <laughs> Try keeping your balance, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. that's not easy to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it's hard to also be honest with ourselves. Um you know about what our strengths and our weaknesses are, and I talked about the energetic pattern earlier, and I, and I use that term to to talk about both our strengths and our weaknesses. I, I mentioned how it was holding me back that our com- my company was doing too many things, but it was also part of my strength. It was why I had jumped in to be an entrepreneur in the first place. Uh, and there's a great Chinese quote about dragons that I think applies equally well to this idea of these of our energetic patterns being strengths and weaknesses. 
And, you know, it goes like this. It says, if you ignore the dragon, then the dragon will eat you. If you try to confront the dragon directly, it will defeat you. But if you learn to ride the dragon, you can take advantage of its might and its power. Um, mm. and, and that's really, you know, the process of self-knowledge and being kind of honest with ourselves in terms of what we're good at and what we're not good at and, and, and setting up our businesses uh, to be more successful. So I, I've been in the software industry for a while. Uh, the, the business that this specific book uh, talks about was my very first business, and it was a, uh, it was a software company that helped big corporations uh, that had made large investments in products from uh, Microsoft. And at that time, there was a company called Lotus, which was very big. I don't know if you remember that. They had Lotus 1, 2, 3, and Lotus Notes. But we built a bridge between uh, you know, this group of collaborative technologies like email and Lotus Notes and these databases that these companies had invested you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in. And so we provided this kind of crucial bridge. And that helped us get our product into over 2,000 companies, big companies like Fidelity, SmithKline, um, you know, General Motors. Uh, you name the big company, they were probably using one of our products at that time. Uh, since then, I've started a, a number of other companies. Most most recently, I've been in the uh, the app business, which is you know what's hot in the software world these days. Uh, and I had uh, a few video game companies, um, including one where we created a game called Tap Fish, which was downloaded over 30 million t times back in 2010, and that we sold to a bigger Japanese company. Uh, and now I have another video game company uh, that's making iPhone and Android games for uh, for so what we call social virtual casino. You can be in a room with a bunch of other people from around the world playing bingo. I don't know if you remember bingo, <laughs> but I mm -hmm. played it in school. Absolutely. And the numbers are being called, and everybody in the room, doesn't matter where they are, they could be on their phones in France, Japan, uh, you know, California, and, and you'll be playing together to see whose cards get, get the bingos. And they're, they're free-to-play games, so mm -hmm. they're free-to-play. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. Peter? Uh, my turn to talk? <laughs> It is. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. So it's your turn. I, I don't need to. Talk. Actually, the questions that the questions that she asked you were similar to the ones that I asked. My background was in direct sales, so I'm more of the Alec Baldwin kind of sales manager kind of type to say, okay, so that's great. Uh, if, if you want philosophy and you want to talk to somebody, you want to feel better, go buy a dog. Did you make any sales today? So the reality for me has always been a blend of both. Because if the head's right, the body's going to move in the right direction. But there still has to be somebody that kind of gets the work done. So along the way, like you wrote a piece of software, pieces of software don't magically fly off a magic carpet and wind up in General Motors or any of the other companies. So what I like to hear is, how did that happen? You were, as you described, from humble beginnings, sounds like more blue-collar worker. You went to a great school. In your apartment, you started a, build, a business, and you were just a college student. I mean, just like I, we have, Dawn and I both have kids in college. So you were just a college student, and from that dorm room or apartment or wherever you might have been, you became who you became. That journey to me is absolutely always fascinating. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, uh, first of all, let me say I... I uh like the uh, movie analogies there with Alec Baldwin and, uh, <laughs> and I believe it was a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yes. Right? Leads are for selling, closers. Right? ABC. Yeah, leads are for closers. <laughs> that's right. 
That's right. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think it's a great way to get, get messages across. And, you know, I'd like to use a movie analogy to kind of describe my journey. And I don't know if you remember the, the Indiana Jones films from uh-huh. uh, the 1980s. There was Raiders sure. of the Lost Ark and uh, Dr. McGrail. Mm-hmm. In those films, you know, there was a treasure that they were trying to find, a spiritual treasure, uh, whether it was the Ark of the Covenant or the Holy Grail. But to get there, you know, there was no direct map. They had to follow the clues. And unfortunately, the clues weren't all laid out at once in a nice order that said, you know, follow this, turn left, go there. They, you know, they had to follow that first clue, and after they followed the first clue, then they got to the second clue. And then after that, they followed that, they've, they found the third clue. Uh, and so, you know, my journey and a lot of what I teach about in the book is how to learn to recognize and follow your own clues in your own career uh, so that you can treat your career as a treasure hunt. Uh, with this big payoff at the end, which could be a financial payoff if you're in the more practical sales side, or could be, you know, more of a spiritual uh, payoff depending on, 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 you know, which way you orient it. Uh, and in my case, I followed the clues. So uh, we had just graduated uh, from from college. My uh, roommate and I, we were in an apartment. I, I like to joke that you know, we were the proverbial two guys in a garage. But in the East Coast, it's too cold to start companies in garages. So we started them in our living room in the winter. <laughs> Um, and uh, you know, I had actually been—I uh, had actually gotten a job uh, working at Lotus Development Corp, this big company that I mentioned that had the software that a lot of corporations were using. Um, and while I was there, you know, I, I had this this intuition that you know the companies that were buying this product, you know, needed it to work well with other products. Uh, and more than that, a few a year or two earlier, when I was still in college. I had written a business plan, and I knew I wanted to do something with collaboration, but I wasn't sure what, and I'd heard about this particular technology, Lotus Notes, and I didn't even know what it was, but it kind of set off that funny feeling in my head, right? And that's really what I want people to pay attention to is that we get a funny feeling, like a feeling of deja vu, like I've seen this before somewhere, or this is important somehow. And then we have to actually follow that intuition. Like you said, software doesn't write itself, right? You can't just have an intuition. You can't just learn about a clue. You have to actually go in the direction that the clue is indicating. Uh, and uh, what, when I had this intuition, you know, uh, uh, a reporter in one of the biggest computer magazines at the time, it was called Computer World, had written an article about how customers were complaining that Lotus wasn't giving them a way to, to work with other companies' products. So I had this intuition that I could get us uh, an article about our product if we had a product. And don't ask me where that came from, right? I had never done any PR. <laughs> I didn't even understand anything about how PR worked. But one day when we were close to – we were writing the software, working kind of day and night, up till 3 o'clock in the morning writing software. So when once we were getting close, I called up the same reporter and I said, hey, we're building this product that will solve this problem that you you know you wrote about a few months back. Uh, and so he listened to my pitch and asked what our company name was. And we actually had not incorporated at the time. <laughs> so I just used the name I had used in the business plan the previous year in our competition, Brainstorm Technologies. Uh, and the next thing I knew, you know, two days later, he had put a front page article in Computer World about this little startup. And we and our phone started to ring. And people, you know, I, I picked up the phone and the, the first person on the phone at 8 o'clock in the morning, which as you know, we were software developers, so we were never up at eight o'clock in the morning. We were usually <laughs> writing code late at night. 
So I got up, and it was the New York Times asking if they could buy a copy of our product. And I said, well, it's not done yet, but, you know, you can be a beta site. Uh, and they're like, no, we don't want to be a beta. And I thought, oh, damn, you know, this could have been a customer, and they don't want to be a beta site. But then she said, we'll buy two as soon as it's ready. You know, I'll send you the PO. And the phone didn't stop ringing for a while, but what was interesting was we didn't even have uh, a company listed. So how were they finding our phone number? <laughs> well, they were calling up the article, the, the reporter at Computer World and asking him for a phone number so that they could call us and order the product. So we, we, ha- we were able to tap into an unmet demand in the marketplace. Right Now, not all businesses are like that. Sometimes you're ahead of the market. In this case, you know, we were kind of in front of the market a little bit, but the demand had been built up already, and so we were able to tap the demand like a, like a geyser, right, oil coming out of the ground, and we were able to use that to launch our company. Um, That's a, wow. That is a great story. That is a great story. I love to hear that, but only because we, I, you know, I have a son in school, a daughter going to school. Uh, Don has kids in school, or just uh, you know, just entrepreneurs and that entry level thing. And what I love most about that is you went to work a little bit blind, a little bit naive. You kind of did some stuff. Not everything was well planned out. You forgot to put a phone number somewhere or whatever, and then the, you're getting phone calls coming from a reporter or something along that line. And that's kind of like how the whole thing got started. So they don't always have to be the best laid out plans. You did some work. You had some raw enthusiasm for what you did. You didn't realize the blinders that you had in place, and you went to work. And then from there, you got a lot more sophisticated, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that on the other side of this break. We're going to come right back. So hold on one second, guys. Do you run a home-based business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively. If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level. For email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organizations. Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience and like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio and now back to the show and we are back and uh let's just keep going we've got riz Verk here with the zen entrepreneur and we're just having a good time right now because he's telling us how it all happened and, and we love the backstory here at the dash because everybody's always thinking you know, that that it's such a breeze, that everything comes without hard work. And, and you hear about the overnight success all the time. But I know my overnight success took 25 years. And, uh, you know, that that really there's no such thing. What you got to do is you have to get you right and you have to get you clear in order for the things that you want to bring to this world can be. And uh, and I just love this show. So where, where are we going to go, Riz? Where are you going to take us next? Well, I, I need to grab it, right? Because he said something about okay. Indiana Jones, grab and it. I always, I always remember. <laughs> I love the Indiana Jones movie only because he always seemed to be one step ahead 
of disaster. Like he was always <laughs> one. He was always like the big stone, kind of like rolling on top of him, or jumping, and the bridge that he was on just fell away, or he's able to get to the next one. So, how much of that movie was applicable for you, Riz? Uh, well, I think that element of being one step ahead of disaster is, you know, often the case in the early days of a business <laughs> because you don't know what you don't know a lot of times. Uh, and so even though we were very successful with our first product, uh, you know, it turns out that uh, a little while down the road, um, you know, one of those big companies I mentioned, like I mentioned Lotus and Microsoft, they ended up buying one of our competitors, which effectively was going to put us out of business with our first product. Um, uh, but, you know, we had developed a second product along that lines, and that started to go well. And so I think in any business, you know, you have to kind of run ahead of that, that big ball, right, that's falling behind yeah. you, as was mm-hmm. in the Indiana Jones films. Uh, but then sometimes, you know, if you remember in that in that scene, uh, it was chasing him, and then he had to, like, jump over <laughs> this area, <laughs> uh, this big chasm, right? And And you can get across that chasm, and then the business can be a little more stable, and then you have to figure out, you know, where to take it to next after that. So, you know, I still run a startup. Um, I guess I'm kind of addicted, but but now I've also moved on to investing in um, and mentoring other entrepreneurs uh, and independent filmmakers, which has always been, you know, a hobby of mine. I've always been in, interested in film and the process of how it's made, and, and now I'm actually participating in that process by, by investing in, in, in indie film projects, which are a lot like startups in, in my opinion. Um, and so that's brought me, you know, to a different place, and kind of pull together these different threads and things that I've learned over time. But it also allows me to see, you know, many more entrepreneurs starting their businesses uh, by being on their board of directors or by mentoring them. And I can kind of see how their patterns evolve as well. You know, and sometimes sometimes we'll go through a recurring pattern that causes us issues and we have to learn to step out of it. Uh, again, using like a, another movie analogy, I don't know if you ever saw the film Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. But, you know, he had to go through that same day again and again until he got it right. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I'll see entrepreneurs doing something like this where, like, there's this one guy, I, I was an investor in his company, and he had this pattern where he would get a new investor or a new advisor, and there would be a honeymoon period where everything would be great, and he'd talk about how great this new person was, and he'd follow all the advice that person gave. Uh, and then inevitably something would go wrong, right? Always happens in a startup. <laughs> something will go wrong somewhere. But then, instead of taking responsibility for that, he will he would then turn and blame it all on the new advisor, and then they'd have a big falling out, and then they'd never talk to each other again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I saw this happen again a second time with a different investor advisor, and then I saw it happen again with yet another guy, and I said, okay, three times makes a pattern. So clearly there was something in his personality that he wasn't seeing that was causing him to, to go in these repeated patterns. And just like in Groundhog Day, you know, Bill Murray eventually had to get it right <laughs> in order to to get to the next level. I think uh, the challenges that we face in our startups and our businesses and our careers you know, are, are challenges that we, we, we can keep working on ourselves uh, until we get it right in terms of our technique and how we deal with the world and, uh, and, and you know, just, just, just how we become successful. Um, so that's why I, I think it's important that we get clear. So it's as, as if we're driving around with a dirty windshield, and sometimes it's hard for us to be honest with ourselves about what's working and what's not working. And I think to be successful, you have to see that very clearly so that you can shift from one to the other. Excellent. Talk to me about the concept of walking the path of the career warrior. I know that's a theme, if you will, that's thread through the book of the Zen Entrepreneurship. 
And for those people listening in, if they wanted to buy the book, I didn't write it down because I have another one of the websites over here, but it was zenentrepreneur.com? Yes, that's right. Exactly. So zenentrepreneur.com for those people listening in. And can these principles, you're going to talk to us a little bit about the walking the path of the career warrior, but can they be applied to just about anything, not just necessarily business? Is that like a way of living or just business-related? Uh, really, it's it's a way of living, uh, but it's a way of living uh, that you are utilizing whatever tasks you have to do and whatever work you you have to uh, accomplish uh, as a way of furthering your own spiritual development and your own ability to see what's happening clearly. Um, and you know, I talked about this idea of this pattern repeating itself. Well, we've probably all known young men or women who get into these personal relationships, and sometimes they'll have different relationships that follow the exact same general arc, right, <laughs> and pattern. And, and so you can see how some of this can be applied not just to business but to our personal lives. Uh, and this idea of following the clues and listening to your intuition really works in, in, in any aspect of our lives. Uh, now, the reason I, I called it the path of the career warrior is that the reason I'm using the term warrior Right, it's not so much because of the uh, the warlike aspect, but rather that there's a struggle that we have, you know, with ourselves, and it's an ongoing struggle to become a better person, but also a more effective person. And if you go back to the Japanese traditions, uh, in like in medieval times, uh, the Zen monks who were working on their minds were often closely associated with the samurai, you know, who were had their martial arts, their ability to do different types of sword fighting, or the archers and their ability to, to shoot accurately, or any other type of art. And what the practitioners of those art found arts found were that if they were able to adopt kind of a Zen like state where they're calm and not really expecting anything in particular but open to whatever happens, that they could be more effective at their very practical martial art or decorative arts or whatever arts they were working on. Uh, and so taking that concept of a warrior as somebody who has to face lots of tasks and needs to keep a, a certain state of mind and is constantly struggling with their own inner dragons, and even that you have to learn to ride the dragon in any situation. Uh, and and that's, that's you know why I called it the path of the career warrior. Uh, and the book is primarily about my journey at work, and how these these uh, personal development types of things impacted my career, but really it could be applied to any any part of your life. Uh, there's a great quote from um, the old Carlos Castaneda books. I don't know if you've read any, any of those, uh, but where he says that an, an ordinary man sees everything as a blessing or a curse, but a warrior sees everything as a challenge, uh, and that's why you know I chose that that term warrior uh, to be part of this path. Excellent. Yeah, I don't want to holler, yes. so go ahead. You you go, Dawn. Well, I mean, what I really want to know is when you were talking about, you know, the, um, the I don't know if you called them steps, but I, I looked at it as the law of attraction. You know, you were talking about the things inside the Zen Entrepreneur book that were, were referring to the things that, you know, really worked. And I know that, you know, you want everybody to buy the book, so I don't want you to give it all away, but I would love for you to share just some of the really profound truths that you go deeper into in the book, but that you actually, you know, that you touch upon. Would you be willing to share some of that with us? Uh, sure. Um, so do you want me to talk more about the four keys of manifestation? 
perhaps? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So you mentioned the law of attraction, right, which has become very popular. And, uh, you know, there have been other sort of incarnations, whether you're talking about the secret or going back to the 20s uh, with Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich or Florence Shin's The Game of Life. And, and I think underlying all of these, is the general philosophy, like they say in the Bible, you know, ask and you shall receive, right? Uh, and I th- that is one of those profound truths, but I think there are subtleties to it as well. So sometimes we ask and we don't receive, at least not right away. And so, you know, what are the differences between the times when we ask and we do receive and the times when we ask and we don't receive? And I call those the four keys to manifestation. And I talked about two of them already, which was right technique, and right timing. Um, and I think those are important. Uh, the, f- the first key is what I call right intent, and this very much ties to the law of attraction. And the idea is, you know, how do you set your intent to accomplish something uh, in this life? Uh, whether we're, we, we choose a, a visualization that we hold in our minds and using um, abilities like uh, practices such as meditation help us increase our powers of concentration to hold that image in our minds. But the flip side of it, I think, is that we also have to learn to listen uh, and find the right image for the reality that we're trying to create. Uh, So there's two ways to look at the law of attraction. One is we decide what we want, we ask the universe for it, we visualize it, we attract it to us. Another way to think of it is sort of flipping it on its head and say, there are possible future selves right, that have accomplished certain things, the things that we were here to accomplish with the abilities that God gave us. Right? And each of us is different. Uh, and if we choose one of those, they all have different probabilities, and we focus on one of those, we increase the likelihood of steering our lives to that future uh, where we have accomplished this thing that we're looking to accomplish. And so part of that is learning to listen and find the right sets of images and finding appropriate goals that really speak to us. I mean, sometimes I think we, we, we might choose a goal that is not really appropriate for us in our life path. I mean, I might decide I want to be an NBA basketball player, you know. And the truth of the matter is, well, I'm only 5'6", I'm not very athletic. <laughs> I'm a much better computer programmer than I am basketball player, even though I love to play basketball. <laughs> right? But so that might not be an appropriate goal, Right. But, uh, you know, perhaps I might want to buy an NBA team sometime, right? Well, that takes a lot of money, and I don't have that. But maybe maybe there's a future self that has that kind of wealth, right? And then I can tap into that future, and by listening to the images and finding the right images to set our intent. Uh, and so that's what I call, you know, finding using the right intent as part of this process of manifestation. So I got three so far. You said, you said right intent, right technique. Yep. Right timing. Yep. What was the fourth? So the fourth uh, was actually very much related to the right technique, and I talked about it earlier, which is right patterns. And that is to look at how we have achieved. So I talked about the energetic pattern as being our internal patterns, but really then the external patterns are what happens in our life. So, you know, we've all achieved many things in life, good and bad. Right? And the question is, you know, how did we do that? And This takes a bit of self-reflection, right? Some people just want techniques, what do I do? But this really means clearing your head, right, and and looking at what's happened and what we've been good at and not so good at. So, you know, I know I like to jump into something and do it for a little while, and then I get bored after a little while. So that means I need to take that into account 
when I choose the right steps and the right technique to take. I mean, I mentioned the technique earlier of writing a page a day versus doing it differently. And so I had to go and, and, and kind of be honest with myself before I got into the groove, you know, that allowed me to really be successful uh, in, in, in my writing. Uh, and so, you know, I kind of compare it to those, you know, those snow globes that have the little city inside and you shake it, the snow's everywhere and you can't really see anything. But if you let the the snow the, the snowflakes settle down, you can see very clearly what's happening inside. Um, and in the Eastern traditions, they talk about karma, which is really the law of cause and effect. I mean, yes, it has to do with past lives and all that, but really it's more about, you know, uh, uh, reaping what you sow and, and seeing the connection between cause and effect. And we can see that sometimes in our own lives. We can see how the decisions we've made, you know, uh, manifested something in our lives practically if we're willing to look back at both the good and the bad and take them together and then utilize that self-knowledge. Uh, and that will take us, I think, more to the place we were meant to go. Um, there's a great quote by the uh, psych- psychologist Carl Jung where he said that you know the goal of psychology or psychiatry shouldn't be just to help people with mental illnesses. It should help them become the person they were meant to be. Uh, and that's really what the four keys of manifestation are all about is picking appropriate goals and then mo- mobilizing resources uh, by setting our intent, both visible and invisible resources, to help us so that we're going downhill or that the wind is at our back instead of, you know, the wind being at our front and slowing us down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And um, I, I've already picked up your book on, on uh, Kindle. I want you to know that made me so happy. There are so many authors who come on here and they don't focus on putting their books on Kindle. And you know, I, I I broke my neck carrying books around all over the world. And uh, Alex and I, when we did our world tour, I went to used bookstores and I traded a book for a book because, you know, when you're carrying everything in your world, you have to get down to just a few things. And um, it, it's a very interesting process to go from um, a life of entrepreneurism and, and going after the goal and the house and the cars and the things with the kids and, and all of a sudden finding yourself down to what you can carry. And it was one of the most amazing processes of my life, and one of the most uh, most valuable, I think. And and uh, and then coming back into this world, making your choices, making my choices as to the things that I truly wanted to surround myself in, what was truly important to me. And so, and and finding my zen in both spaces, because you know, I, I think it's it's a real challenge to actually find peace in America. Uh, you know, like I found peace in the third world where there was nothing and there was very little electricity and, you know, there was really nothing. I, I found that when there was, where there weren't all the trappings and there wasn't all the chaos and there weren't all the goals and there wasn't all of the um, expectations of this world that we live in and that I live in of, you know, being at a certain age and certain things are expected, you know. If you don't have a certain house and a certain this and a certain that, then then the projections of success aren't there. And, you know, my kids had to deal with those things. And so I had a lot of pressure um, internally to create true success, monetary success uh, for my family and for my children, and that none of that existed when I traveled the rest of the world. And so I found that, you know, it's a totally different set of of variables. Absolutely everything that... uh, uh, that we live in here, I think that Americans really struggle to find that state of peace 
Um, do you do you find have you are you world traveled? Do you know what I'm talking about here, and how much more challenging it is over here? Hey, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I, have, <laughs> I was born in Pakistan, actually, and uh, you know, have lived in a few different countries. Although I grew up primarily in the Midwest, uh, in Michigan, uh, and now live on the West Coast. But I think you're absolutely right. There are a lot of expectations that we have in our society. And we just pick them up from being part of that society. Uh, and instead of being kind of who we are, you know, we're constantly trying to mold ourselves into these different roles. Uh, and finding peace, you know, is very difficult here. And that's why I encourage people to have some practice, you know, whether it's meditation, prayer, or a walk, um, you know, in nature every day to get out of all of the roles that we take on, you know, as a, as a CEO of a company, I have a certain role as a boyfriend, as a son, as, et cetera, right? There are all these roles that we take on. And if we can find, you know, some practice that we do every day uh, where we can get out of that role, that helps us to clear our minds and see that the, some of these expectations are societal. Now, you know, I would say having lived in the third world, there are lots of expectations there that might be different than the expectations here. You know, they tend to be more family oriented, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll out in, in, in that part of the world. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see what you're saying, and I think it's a great metaphor You know, when you talk about which books should I carry and, and putting them on a Kindle, uh, but also what other things you should carry with you. And I think you know, too often we're going through life carrying all these things that aren't visible. <laughs> I mean, not just physical things, but you know, whether it's uh, you know a chip on our shoulder because of such and this thing happened or that thing happened. And, and so being present, I think, is a way to get around some of that uh, and, and, and to find more peace day to day. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, my my gift was going out and coming back. And uh, after my first year back, I was able to truly find it. And and I'm, I'm completely in love with the life that I have now. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, being able to go and see what else is out there and, and to find oneself, I know it's a little cliche, but it's a, it's a pretty powerful experience. And, and now, you know, wherever I am, I like me, you know. <laughs> it's an amazing it's an amazing gift to find to find out who you are. So, um I have had the most fun talking to you, Riz. I am really, really glad you're here. I've already friended you on Facebook. I bought your book. I'm I'm like, gee, when are we gonna have dinner? You know, I think <laughs> <laughs> You're very quick. You already have a, you already have the book. Yeah, I just know, got the uh, notification here about Facebook. <laughs> Things are happening in real time here. It she, does, yeah, it this, does. Dawn is an amazing person. She could be doing a lot of things at one time. She's really like eight different individuals in one times two. You know, I haven't figured it out yet. I've got a little clock over here. I kind of try to keep it going. But, uh, Riz, I'm gonna, we're going to have to take a 30-second commercial break, and then we're going to come right back. And I want to talk to you about some of the physical things that you do. So I know we talked a lot about the mental stuff, but you said you started to take meditation, which I'm going to call physical in that regard, even though you're probably thinking it. So hold on one second. We're going to come right back. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradio.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back with The Dash. We have Riz Virk. That's R-I-Z. And his last name is Virk. V-I-R-K. 
And if you want to go buy his stuff and see more about what he's doing, go to zenentrepreneur.com. So zenentrepreneur.com, and you'll see his wonderful store there, as well as being able to buy the, the books and other materials that he has. Riz, let's talk about the physical stuff, you know, because I don't know that, but I didn't grow up in a meditation world. I grew up more blue-collar. So you go out there and you bang it with a hammer, or you physically get calluses on your hand when you're doing the work. And if some, if one of my employees is a sales, my, I'm, I'm a driver when it comes to sales and sales management and stuff like that. One of my guys says, I need to quiet my mind, and I go need to go for a walk, or grabs a little cushion, starts doing some yoga. I don't know. You know, like not all over that. I probably would be miscommunicating by saying, I don't understand. Go knock on another door. Go ring another phone. Go put yourself in the battlefield. You've got to make some stuff happen, that hunter-gathering kind of a thing. And I would suspect that that has to be part of it because work is required. But what about the other stuff? Yeah. Like, Sure. Well, you know, I, I, I see your point, <laughs> and I agree with you. But one of the things that I talk about in the book and one of the things that I learned was, you know, there's this – thing called meditation that's a practice that you might do by sitting on a cushion somewhere. But then there's this idea of using your work as a type of meditation. And that is more about being present in the task that you're doing. Uh, so if we think about it, the goal of meditation eventually is awareness, a greater awareness of ourselves, of the universe, and of what I call the hidden worlds. But in the beginning, Meditation is really a process of focusing on something and building your concentration. Now, it could be, you know, a spot, energy spot on your body. It could be an image. It could be just focusing on your breath. Well, what happens when you do that is your mind inevitably wanders. You start thinking about, you know, dinner tonight. You start thinking about that meeting yesterday and the thing you wish you had said, you know, in response to that other person <laughs> that you didn't think of a witty remark until afterwards, right? Uh, you start thinking about all the stuff you have to do, you know, in the house over the weekend. So our mind wanders to the past and to the future. Um, and so meditation in the beginning is about exercising these muscles to bring the mind back to the task at hand. Well, it turns out we can do this in our work as well. Uh, by turning our work into a series of what I like to call warrior's tasks. And we've been using some movie analogies, so I'll use another one. I don't know if you ever saw that 80s film, uh, The Karate Kid, right? which had a, a very famous scene in there where uh, the teacher, Mr. Miyagi, is teaching the student, Daniel, karate. And instead of teaching him karate, he has him do all these household chores. He has him paint the fence and wax the floor. And eventually... You know, the student, Daniel, gets mad and says, you're supposed to be teaching me karate, not having me do household chores. Right? Well, it turns out he was teaching him the motions through repetition that he would need to be able to successfully block karate punches and karate kicks. And that's what I call a warrior's task, is something that has an obvious purpose, to paint the fence or, or, or wax the floor, and a hidden purpose, which is to develop the muscles uh, that you need to, to be present. And so in our work, we can say whatever it is we have to do, whether it's to make a phone call, uh, to a customer, to run a meeting, to enter, uh, you know, items into a spreadsheet, we can say for the next hour, you know, my task is to get X done. But the hidden purpose of this task is to build my focus of concentration. So when my mind wanders, again, just like in meditation, it wanders to what, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? You know, or how am I going to afford this thing on the, you know, that I, the new water heater I need in my <laughs> in my house? Or the thing that happened in the meeting yesterday, you, you gently bring your mind back to the task at hand, 
and get focused again, and inevitably we'll be distracted again. And I mean, today we've got, you know, with our smartphones, we've got pop-ups, SMS text messages, we've got Facebook, we've got Twitter. There's no shortage of distractions, other people in the office. And whenever one of those distractions occurs, we bring our attention back to the task at hand uh, gently. Uh, and, w- and when you do that over and over, you really start to develop a sense of focus on whatever task you're doing, whether you're a salesperson or a computer programmer. And that is sort of entering into a meditative state when you're in the flow of getting these things done. So that's a little more you know, on the practical side, I think, uh, that, that I talk about in the book as well. Perfect. Okay, good. So if you wanted the book for those people listening in, go to zenentrepreneur.com. We have about four, three and a half minutes left. So, Dawn, I'll let you have the last couple of questions or comments or suggestions, and then we're going to wrap this up. Well, I mean, I don't have any more real comments or suggestions, but I, I just do want to say that I really appreciate the work that you're doing, and I'm very grateful that somebody is out there doing it. I think... Uh, I think it's powerful stuff and that uh, so many people need to hear what you're doing. So, you know, are are you going on a speaking tour? Are you are you doing radio shows primarily? What what's uh, your what's your list of engagements? Yeah, so I've been doing radio shows lately, um, through the summer and uh you know, I may go on a speaking tour at some point, uh, but uh, you know, I still run a startup software company, <laughs> a game company, so it makes it a little difficult to go out for extended periods of time. Uh, but uh, I will probably be offering some online courses uh, in the fall uh, for people that want to delve deeper into the material and, 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 and work with me more directly. There you go. That's just awesome. So, I mean, really, that's it. We have to close it down, but it has been an absolutely beautiful hour. I really appreciate it, and I do hope you come back soon. Well, it's been great being here. Thanks for having me, and I'd love to be back sometime. You're welcome. Awesome. All right, well, Thank thanks. you so much. Well, Dawn, Take care, guys. Have voice. a great yep. one. Great to hear I your know. voice. I'm We're so glad to be back. Extra. Yep. Hey, Riz, yep. thank you very much. Uh, ZenEntrepreneur.com. So long, everyone. Take care, guys. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the show. At The Dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot. To get reminders for our live shows, Click follow on the top of any show. Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com. For upcoming mobile experience, text DASH to 37404. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thedashradio. Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon.